aside, we're in Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, continuing to talk about the church that the Lord Jesus Christ builds. We have talked about what that church, uh, the character of that church, what it looks like. And now we're talking about what does that church actually do. And uh, in Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 41. Then those who gladly receive the word, the body of Christ is made up of those who belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. Those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. That is the rock upon which the Lord Jesus Christ said he was going to build his church. So they continued steadfastly in the word of God. And notice number two, and fellowship. Fellowship. Now, I've discovered over my years in ministry that most people in the churches that I, I, in which I preach don't know a whole lot of Greek, but they usually know two Greek words. One Greek word is the word agape. And the word agape means love. It is the very love of God. And then they usually know a second Greek word, and that is the Greek word koinonia. Koinonia. And the word koinonia means fellowship. So when it says they continue steadfastly in fellowship, it actually says they continue steadfastly in koinonia. Now we know it's translated uh, usually into English as the word fellowship, but what does the word actually mean? What type of fellowship? Well, it's a word that means partnership. It means to share in common. It means you have a deep intimate connection with someone else. So when it talks about the, the fellowship of the body of Christ, they shared a partnership with one another. Uh, they had uh, something deep in common with one another. They had this deep, intimate connection with one another. In fact, you're going to see it all throughout the book of Acts. Uh, remember, the book of Acts starts out by uh, the Lord Jesus telling his disciples, you'll receive power after the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Then you're going to be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. And through their witness, he was going to build his church. So the book of Acts is the history of Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit and the ministry of the apostles building his church. Now, I want you to notice this aspect of the character of his church throughout the book of Acts. Now, there are several passages of Scripture where it shows up. We're just going to read them quickly. Acts chapter 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Acts chapter 2, verse 46. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple... And breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. Now, you don't always have to eat together to have good fellowship, but it sure does help. All right, Acts chapter two, chapter 4, verse 24. So when they heard that, they raised their voice to God, notice, with one accord, and said, Acts chapter 4, verse 32. Now the multitude of those who believed, now notice there's a multitude of those who believed were of what was the, what was the character of their, their union. One heart and one soul. Neither did anyone say any of the things he possessed was his own, but they had all things in common. Acts chapter 5 verse 12. And through the hands of the apostles many signs and wonders were done among the people, and they were all, notice, all, there, weren't, well, there wasn't anybody left out, they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. Acts chapter 8, verse 5. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. And the multitude, uh, and the multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles that he did. Acts chapter 15, verse 25. It seemed good to us being assembled with one accord to send chosen men to you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul. Now, what's one overriding theme about the church that Jesus began building 
in the book of Acts. They were all of one accord. They were of one heart, one mind, one spirit. There was an intimate fellowship that bound their hearts, their minds, and their lives together. Now, why did this happen this way? Uh, why did the church that Jesus built have this wonderful fellowship that brought a wonderful sense of unity and oneness among the body? Well, we wouldn't, shouldn't be surprised about that because that was exactly what Jesus asked his Father to do for his church just before he went to the cross. In John 17, we have that high priestly prayer of Jesus, literally just hours before he went to the cross. And in John 17, verse 20, he says, I do not pray for these alone, just as disciples that were there, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. Who's that? Usins. It's the folks of Wasmasal Baptist Church. We believed in Jesus through the word of the apostles. What did he pray for us? That they all may be bunch of different opinions, bunch of different views. Everyone speaks his own mind, whatever it happens to be, the little that there might be. Now, that they may be one, as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one. Here's the key. Where does the oneness come from? Might be one in us that the world may believe that you sent me. That's the end result. We have to be one in order for the world to accept the witness that we have, to see that there is something that is different about us than them. The primary difference is they're all divided. They're all out for self. We're sold out to Christ and servants of one another. One another. And that verifies our witness. He says, I in them and you in me, that they may be made perfect in one, that the world may know that you have sent me, and I have loved them as you have loved me. Now, why is this fellowship of the body of Christ so vitally important? Why? Why is it absolutely necessary? You've got to remember, why did God bring all of us into being to begin with? Why did he create the world? Why did he create the human race? And from among that human race, why did he create a people for himself? Why did he create the church? And that is to put him on display, that we might glorify him, that through us, the people that he has redeemed, the people he has saved by grace through faith, the world might come to know him. Now, there's one great characteristic of God that has to be a part of every local body of Christ. If we are going to glorify God as a church, if this community is going to actually see God in us, and come to understand who God is, there's one quality they have to see. It all goes back to the Shema. The Shema is a Hebrew word. Hebrew word you probably know. The Shema was the basic tenet, the statement of faith of the Jewish people. Everything from the Jewish faith sprang from this one truth. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. One. Number one, there is but one God. That God exists as a fellowship. He exists as a relationship within himself. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, three persons, yet one, one in essence and being and nature, one God, and that God is one. 
it is vitally important that every local body of Christ exists in perfect harmony and union and fellowship with one another because that is the only way we bear witness and testimony to the oneness of the God that we belong to. We have to be one because he is living in us. And he is living his life in us and through us. Therefore, he makes us one. Now, the only group of people on the face of the earth, the only group of people on the face of the earth that can actually be one with one another and have actual perfect fellowship with one another are those who have the Lord Jesus Christ living within them. That is the only way. So if you ever expect the Republicans or the Democrats or the Independents to ever be able to actually come together in perfect fellowship, it never happened. Because, believe me, on all sides, there's a lot of lost folks there that don't know Jesus. Have you ever wondered why on the job the folks just can't seem to get along and everybody's got a gripe and everybody's got a complaint? You know, why is that? Because you got a bunch of lost people there. You ever wonder why in school everybody wants to make fun of everybody else? Everybody wants to put people down. Everybody wants to talk about everybody. And you got these groups, and you got these cliques, and you got these little things, and, and you got to figure out which group you're going to belong to. And if you don't belong to any group, you're just an outsider. Why is that? Well, here at school, you got, you got a bunch of lost people there. So let me ask you a question. Why is it when you go into a local Baptist church, you got to figure out which clique you're going to belong to? Why is it when you go to a local church, you got to catch up on the, the gossip of who's doing what with who. That's not a church. It might be a club, it might be a gathering, but it's not a church. Because here, every church that Jesus builds, every church, notice how many times it said they were all, they were all, they were all in one accord. Every church that Jesus builds, they will all be in one accord. They will have fellowship. You say, Brother Tim, that's <laughs> you're, you're talking about something that's impossible. That can't actually happen in reality. No, 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 you don't understand. That's what makes the presence of God evident. Because it cannot happen on a human level. There's no way it can happen apart from from God and dwelling that group of people and changing who they are and giving them a new heart that we became a new creation in Christ Jesus. Here's what I want you to understand. Not only did you become a new creation, so did we become a new creation. The usness of us that flows out of him have you ever wondered why your family can't seem to get along with each other? I mean, think of your family gatherings. Don't you just look forward to those holidays when everybody gets together at Thanksgiving and Christmas and Grandma's birthday and all that, and everybody comes together? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. And, and of course, it might just be my family, but... But, oh, well, you better watch out what you say around so-and-so. You got to be careful what you say around so-and-so. Oh, you know how they are. And God forbid you don't compliment Aunt Sue on her uh, green bean casserole that she makes because she brings that every year, and she always wants people to know that. Yeah. And, and, and he, he said, hey, make sure if you talk to so-and-so, make sure you go talk to so-and-so because if you don't, they'll think that you're you know, taking sides on this issue. Y'all family do that. Family gatherings can be some of the most stressful times on the face of the earth. Let me, let's be honest about it. I mean, it, it can be really good and it can be really sweet, but boy, can it be tough, you know? Why is that? 
There's only one reason. Because there's lost folks there. If they're all saved folks that are there and dwelt with the same Holy Spirit who's made us the same new creation in Christ Jesus, that's given us one purpose, one heart, one spirit, we're all going to be together. So either you got lost people there or you got Christians that are acting like lost people. Either way, you got a problem. You got a problem. And the only solution is found in Jesus Christ. Why is it that many churches, their reputations and their community are more about their fussing and their fighting and their tough business meetings and the preachers they run off than it is their witness and how the power of God is demonstrated in that place? Well, the sad reality is a lot of churches have allowed people to come become members of their churches that aren't really Christians. Not really Christians. Not really born again. Well, Jesus said, Father, may they be one in the same way that he and the Father are one. So our fellowship is born out of our fellowship with Christ. Starts with them. The only people on the face of the earth that can truly be made one are people who've been made one with Christ. One with Christ. 1 John chapter 1, verse 3. You probably don't have this one in your notes. Jot it down. 1 John chapter 1, verse 3. That which you have seen and heard, we declare to you. Why? That you also may have fellowship with us. John says, we declare the gospel to you, that through hearing the gospel and being saved by the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ, not only will you be made one with Christ, but that is how you're made one with us. And truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write to you, that our joy may be full. Do you know that the only time that you can really have fullness of joy is when you are one with Christ and one with those around you? Because if you are not one with those around you, not one with Christ, it's going to zap your joy quickly. This is the message which we have heard from him and declared to you that God is light. He is glory. He is holiness. And in him is no darkness, no sin at all. Now notice, if we say that we have fellowship, partnership with him, that you belong to him, if we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness. Now, if our fellowship with one another is dependent on our fellowship, first of all, with him, and you say you have fellowship with him, but yet you walk in darkness, that means you are living a life of sin. You're not walking in holiness. You're not walking in righteousness. You're not, you're not living a life that looks like the life of the Lord Jesus Christ then what's your problem? If we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, John doesn't pull any punches. We lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in light, if you walk in holiness and righteousness, as he is in the light, notice the result. Not only do you have fellowship with him, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. So the question is, how then do you know? That's what John's getting at. The book of 1 John is all about how you tell the counterfeits from the genuine article. How do you tell real Christians from counterfeit Christians? How do you tell people who's genuinely been born again of the Spirit of God versus those who say they've been born again but actually have not? That's the whole book. That's what it's about. So how do you know if the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, 
cleanses us, has cleansed you from all sin. How do you know? What's the evidence? How do you tell? Well, I got baptized. Great. How do you know you were born again before you got baptized? I joined the church. Great. You know, joining church is a good thing if you're a Christian. If you're not a Christian, it doesn't do you any good. So how do you know you've been born again? How do you know you've been cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ? He's just told us. He's just told us. Number one, you now live different because you're walking in the light. And as a result, you have fellowship with God and you have fellowship with one another. You have union. Companionship. Intimacy. Oneness with one another. What does that also mean? If you're one of those like to fuss and fight, you like one of those that always like to have your way, you're one of those that always has to express your opinion no matter what, guess what? I don't care how many times you walk the aisle, I don't care how many times you've been baptized, I don't care how many churches you belong to, you're lost. You're lost. If you're one of those that no matter what, you just can't get along with anybody, you know what the problem is? It's not that you have a bad personality. It's not you got a bad personality. you got a sinful, lost heart. And until that's taken care of and cleansed and transformed, you're always going to be one that can't get along with everybody. Nobody. Y'all don't know anybody like that? All right. Now notice what it says. This oneness and this unity, this fellowship within the body among Christians is, is, is a vital component. And that's why this passage is one you need to apply to your overall life. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14. This is what he says to those who know him. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship, there's that word, what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? And what communion has light with darkness? That word communion, the root of it is the same word for, for fellowship, koinonia. What communion has light with darkness? And what accord has Christ with Belial? Or what part has a believer with an unbeliever? The only people we could be connected to and be made one with are people who have likewise been saved, born again of the Spirit of God, transformed into the image of Christ. That is the only people you can be connected to and one with. That's why when it comes to dating, there's one big rule. If you're a Christian, you do not date a non-Christian. Period. Oh, but I can lead them to Jesus that way. There's no such thing in the Bible as evangelistic dating. Okay? It doesn't exist. No, 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 no. Uh, Rule number one, must be born again and live like it. Not just say it, live like it. One of the ways, too, you know, if you're living like it, church membership don't make you a Christian, but if you are a Christian, you're going to be a part of a church. And you're going to be there. Okay? So if you want to date somebody and they don't go to church on a regular basis, you're not dating them. Brother Tim, who are you to tell me who I can date and who I can't? I'm nobody, but God's word says it, and you argue with him about it. He made the rule. Now, when it comes to not only just, when it comes to getting married, I cannot tell you how many times I've had to counsel with people in marriage counseling because a Christian married a non-Christian because they were, quote, in love, But there was always something missing in the marriage. Here's the deal. 
You cannot be made one. Not, God will not make you one with a person. If you're a Christian, he will not make you one with a person who's not a Christian. And marriage is about the two becoming one. He will not make you one. See, the one who makes you one is him, his spirit. And if your spirit doesn't reside in that spouse, you can live together in the same house, you can connect with each other on a whole bunch of different levels, but you will never be one. Never. So if you want to spend your life in a marriage where you're never going to feel really connected with that other person, then marry somebody you lost. That's what God's word says. But notice he says, don't be unequally. Now, when it comes to building your friendships, your friendships. Now, we apply this easily to marriage, but he just, he, he, notice he just doesn't say marriage. Do not be unequally yoked. Link your life up with unbelievers. When it comes to your friendships, now I'm not talking to people about people that you just are nice to. I'm talking about people you link your life up with. I'm not talking about acquaintances. I'm talking about people you call friends where you're going to share your heart with each other, you're going to share your lives together with each other, you're going to share the intimate details of your life with each other. The Word of God says, requirement number one, if they're going to be your friend, and you're going to build a friendship with them, they've got to be a believer. Now, you have acquaintances with other people that are lost, because that's the only way you're going to be able to witness to them. If you know them, if you're acquainted with them. But you do not build friendships, if you're a Christian, with those that are in the world that are lost. He says, what fellowship does the believer have with an unbeliever? You can't have any real fellowship. And what you're going to find out is, you're going to think, I'm going to build this friendship so that I can have influence over them and hopefully, you know, lead them to be godly you're going to be amazed at how often it's going to work the other way. And they're going to have an ungodly influence on your life. On the organizations that you choose to be a part of, the groups you choose to identify with, same principle. You don't link your life up with those who do not have the same Christ as the Lord of their life. You, they have no place there. Hey, there are even family members. They might be blood relations, and you can't change that. But you do have control on how intimate that relationship, even with family members, is. Because they might be family, but if they're lost, you'll never be able to really be one with them. And there's going to be tension, and you're going to be at odds, because you're at cross-purposes. What you're trying to accomplish in life is the opposite from each other. Now, you love them, you pray for them. But as far as linking your life up to them in closeness, no. Listen. I am much more close with this family than I am with people that I'm connected with by blood. Because we share something some of those people will never understand and know. So, keep in mind, this is not Pastor Tim's How to Win Friends and Influence People. This is the word of God, folks. I'm not making, I mean, it's right there. If you, can, if you can find anything else out of that passage and what I just shared with you, please let me know. But the word of God is pretty clear on this. 
pretty clear on this. Even in your business associations, I understand on the job we have to have certain desires. Be careful. Be careful. In business, a lot of times, you have people that what their primary concern is the profit margin. What we live for is the glory of God. And that doesn't change on your job. Doesn't change on your job. So you, you ethically do what you do on your job based on who you are in Christ. Not what company you work for. As the primary governing theme. Philippians 1.27 only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come to see you or am absent, I may hear of your affairs that you stand fast, Paul says, notice, in one spirit, with one mind, striving not against one another, but striving together for the faith of the gospel. Philippians 2, verse 1 Therefore, if there's any that this word if is not conditional, it's better translated since. Since there is uh, consolation in Christ, since there's comfort of love, since there's fellowship of the Spirit, and since there is affection and mercy, fulfill my joy. Now again, there's that phrase, fulfill my joy. How's joy going to be fulfilled? By being like-minded. Like-minded. Well, I got to write to my own opinion. Who told you that? Well, I got a right to see things the way I want to see things. Where'd you get that from? Show me that one in the Bible. Show me that in the Word of God. Be like-minded. Did you know that even in the body of Christ, we're supposed to think the same way? Did you know we're supposed to think the same way? Because what does the Bible say? Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ. We're supposed to have the mind of Christ. We're supposed to be connected and think the same way based on that. You ever been to a committee meeting? Well, never mind. Um, fulfill my joy by being like-minded. Having the same love. Now, by the way, in, whenever you're a Christian, the same love. What kind of love do you have? What kind of love? It says, the love of Christ has been shed abroad in our... The love we have is the very love of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're to have the same love because the love we have is to be His love. What kind of love was that? Who loved the church and gave Himself for it, sacrificed everything for it. You've got to have the same love. It's amazing to me how many times people say, I love you, this, that, but everybody has their own idea of what the love is. Girls, there'll be a lot of boys that tell you they love you. I mean, it's not the love of Christ. Right? Same love. Being of one accord. And he says it again. He said like-minded, and then he goes at the end of it and says, one mind. One mind. So what is to govern our thinking? If we're going to think the same thing, we got to be on the same page. What page are we supposed to be on? That page. If we have filled our mind, Romans 12, if we've been transformed through the renewing of our mind, and the way the mind is renewed is by filling it with this. That's why the second thing, Jesus prayed two prayers for us in John 17. Number one, he said, may they be one. Second thing he prayed is, sanctify them with the truth. Your word is truth. Make them everything they are supposed to be in us through this. You know how to fix your marriage problems? 
Y'all can't get along in a marriage. You want to fix it? Well, let's go to counseling. There's only one counseling that counts. If you want to be able to get along in your marriage and fix your marriage problems, both of you fill your heart and your mind with this and live in obedience to it. That'll fix every problem you got, I promise you. Every problem. Parents, you want to fix the issues between you and your kids? Please understand this. If your kids aren't saved, they're going to act like lost people because that's what lost people do. Okay? So please understand that. You can get them to conform their behavior to what you expect, but if they're lost, they're always going to have that lost heart and they're going to act that way. One of the ways you fix that is by making sure you share the gospel with them. Share the gospel with them. Hopefully the Holy Spirit will take that word, bring faith and repentance, lead them to Christ. But then number two, the way you fix the relationships between you and your kids, you got to get on the same page. Do this. Why? Because I told you to. When you have to correct them and they've done something wrong, on what basis do you tell them you're correcting them? You got to take this and say, say, darling, the reason what you did is wrong is because this is what the Word of God says. The Word of God says this, you didn't walk in obedience to it, and that's why it's wrong. And now I'm going to have to do what the Word of God says I'm supposed to do whenever you've disobeyed this and done wrong. The whole basis is the Word. If it's just your preference, well, that's going to create a whole bunch of problems between you and your kids. It's kind of hard to argue with this is what God says. When you're dealing with church conflict and stuff like this, we like to talk about issues. How is the issue shaped by the Word? Let's see what the Word of God says about it. Whatever it says, that settles the argument. It's just there. That's the basis of our soul. Let nothing be done for, through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind. Oh, here's how you experience that fellowship. In lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. You can't have fellowship unless you got a group of people who have died to self and live for two primary purposes, the glory of Christ and the good and the edifying strengthening of the others. Whenever you live for self, you're going to have tension and problems. When you have people that can strut sitting down and like you to know what they think and what they don't like. It's always interesting me when I'm preaching. And you can look out at the crowd and you can see some people, I don't care what he says. The whole time. It's just a joy preaching to those folks. I don't care. But then you got people that you can tell love the Lord, love his word. I'm just soaking it in. But I please understand this. There's a difference between enjoying a sermon and living out the word. You can say amen to whatever you hear from the pulpit, but if you don't live it when you walk out of there, you've accomplished nothing. Okay? I'm firmly convinced people that know Christ as Savior and Lord, we have a love for him above all things. But you know what else I found that people that love him and have been saved, they also love his word because it's in the word that you come to know him. Know him. 
And that brings our fellowship. That brings our union. Ephesians 1.15. Therefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, notice the Ephesians church, and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. So, how are we going to experience this, uh, this, this wonderful sense of unity? Comes number one, being saved. If you've got folks that are not saved, you're not going to be unified. If you've got people that you know that always are what I call contrary people, or I use the term irregular people, okay? They're irregular. They just always got an attitude. What's the What's the solution to the problem? The gospel of Jesus Christ. Just get saved. Get saved. Well, I am saved. Yeah, you're not living like it. You're not bearing witness of it. Number one, get saved. Number two, got to die to self. Let me hit on this. Let me hit on this real quick, okay? I, I don't, I'm running out of time, but i got to hit on this. This is a real important issue. I wish I had time to flesh this one out. Maybe when we go through the question series on Sunday nights, I'll deal with it. And that is this. There's something going on in our culture today that is killing the fellowship of the church. It's just kill of all churches. It's just killing the churches. It just really is. And it's destroying families. And it's really messing up lives. You know what it is? this now let me quickly explain how God created us and built us together as a church to demonstrate who he is through the salvation we have in Christ which brings fellowship it brings a group of people together and transforms who they are so that they become one mind, one heart, one spirit. And that is what bears witness and testimony to the world that the gospel that we share is real. What the Word says. Through this thing here. It causes us to be very self-focused. Very self-focused. Through this, we build our own world. We build our own universe. Because we pick the music. We can access all the databases of music out there. And we create a library of music we like. And that's what we listen to. We create friend lists that is anything but friendly. And we pick and choose who we want to be connected with. And we join the groups we want to be joined to. And now you have access, literally, to thousands of churches across the world. And you can pick the kind of preaching you want. And you can listen to it anytime you want to do so. And you can pick the preachers you like and what you agree with and what you don't agree with and everything else, you just tune out. And you just spend so much time building your own universe and your own world based on your preferences that somehow you have developed an artif artificial sense of connectedness to people in the world that has no basis in reality. It's not real. And you keep everybody at a distance. And you spend all of your time in your room on this instead of connecting with one another. It's been interesting to me, young adults and our youth really don't know how to have conversations anymore. They don't know how to talk to people. 
And the way they type, they don't know anything about grammar either. But it's, it's just, I mean, they really don't know how to connect. Now, here's the thing. They feel and they think they're connected. But they never felt more lonely. And they really have never felt more isolated. Because actually everything revolves around them and what they want. They design their life based on their preferences and their choices. We've even gotten to that in worship. I know people that would prefer just to stay home and pull something up online than connect with each other. Please understand, the church that Jesus builds must have fellowship with one another. Because each of you have certain spiritual gifts I don't have, and I need your giftedness in my life. And you need mine. And I need your encouragement. And I need your love. I need your prayers. I need you to listen. And you need the same from me. The Word of God says we are to bear one another's burdens. You can't do that here. You got to connect. You got to share. Loving one another happens face to face, not text to text. Okay? And all that stuff everybody puts online is the best of what they want you to see. They don't show you the other side of things because they don't want that out there. So you really don't know who they are. At Walmart the other day, guy got arrested because he was online and a, somebody thought he was talking with a certain person because that's who they, their online personality was. And they arranged for this appointment to meet together at Walmart. But who they thought they were meeting was not who they were meeting. Somebody got arrested. That happened just a couple days ago. This can be a tool that can be used for good. And it can be used for sharing the gospel. It can be used to do a lot of wonderful things. But it also has made us so consumed with ourselves rather than with the one another that the Word of God says we're called to be. Be careful. Never, <laughs> never ceases to amaze me. Every time Rob and I go out to a restaurant, you'll see a group of people sitting at a table. What are they all doing? Instead of talking with each other, they're over here. Be careful. All right. I got to close. If you want to kill the church, if you want to do it, focus on you more than the rest. Focus on what you want rather than, number one, what glorifies Christ, what's in line with his word, and what strengthens the other. And church, listen to me, watch my song. I have a lot of people ask me, Brother Tim, what's your vision for the church? What's your plan? Let me share with you my plan, okay? 
I'm going to preach the word. And I'm going to love you. That's the plan. That's the plan. That's the plan God gave us in his word. Now, your responsibility in the plan is to listen to the word of God and to walk in obedience and to love one another. And all the other details of what we do has got to come from that. Yeah, there's a lot of things we're going to do, but it's all got to flow out of that. And if you don't have that, none of that other stuff matters. It's just activity. It's just being busy. I would really love to see what can happen in a community when a church loves the Lord with all that they are and loves one another with all that they are. What would happen in Cane Bay? What would happen in Monk's Corner and Somerville, Goose Creek, if there was actually a church where all the folks in that church were of one mind, the mind of Christ, one mind, one heart, one spirit? I love to see. My prayer is, may Wathmasaw Baptist Church be that church. Be that church. Let's pray.